1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, David, and as always, I have Mr. Ian Rice on the other line. Ian, how goes it?
2: That was a dramatic pause. I liked it. I'm good.
1: (laughs) How are you? I am well. I am well. What's been going on with you? Oh, you
2: know, just uh, holiday season, running around doing all that stuff and squeezing in work and all that in between.
1: Christmas time's about here. Is Santa going to bring anything, or have you been bad?
2: I, I I don't know. This might be a cold kind of year, you know. It might just be standard for 2020 the way it's been going. Everybody gets cold. That's true. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm hoping for more vinyl.
2: The vinyl Santa will at least be bringing a couple of things that I know of your way. So, ooh, you have something to look forward to.
1: I got Pearl Jam versus the reissue. If you're interested in grunge music, there's a podcast called Cobras and Fire. And right now they're dedicating an entire episode to each of the top twenty-five grunge albums of all time. It's pretty fascinating. If you if you're a grunge fan, go listen. It's, like I said, it's called Cobras and Fire. Well, whose list is the Rolling top Stones. 25? Okay. Mm-hmm. So like they just did Super Unknown the other day. Such a good album. Um, oh, of course,
2: brings back many fond
1: memories for me. Me too. Well,
2: we just did a list of our own that, uh, so we know what it's like to. Uh, we know what it's like to have to reiterate that lists are very subjective.
1: Yeah, I mean, we got great feedback on the Kate Thompson episode of the ballads. Although uh, we got eviscerated by several people for not putting nonfiction on there, but
2: yeah, yeah, which I, w- I was trying to explain to somebody or other, uh, not you know in a negative way, but uh, it doesn't. We're not saying it's not one. It's just it's not. That's not immediately what sprung to my mind. I don't. That's not a ballad for me. If it is for somebody else, that's fantastic, you know yeah. whatever your interpretation of it is great i do i will I do have to say that we are definitely in the wrong for not including ballad in urgency. We didn't even include the song that had ballad in the title
1: <laughs> I mean, come on, things happen
2: for me, that's forever tied to wiser time, so it's like I, a, I
1: agree you know, you know what I mean they're the same thing. So this week, uh, our guest is uh, our old buddy, Liam Whiting, from across the pond, and uh, he brought his father on with us, which was a very nice surprise. His father, uh, David, was a, a very, very nice uh, congenial guy, don't you think, Ian?
2: Yeah, definitely a last-minute thing, and not for any reason other than just that, you know, they had the idea. I think Liam was talking to his dad about it, and he said, Oh, you know, I'd I quite like to join that, and, and it was great. i have him back any and of course, you know, Liam is a uh, show regular at this point.
1: Yeah, and if you're a fan of Alter Bridge, or even if you're not, go listen to his Open Your Ears podcast. It's really good. Ian and I are going to be on there. At some, we have already rec- we recorded it several months ago, but at some point it's going to come out.
2: You're t- taking away the magic. They have to think <laughs> we just did it.
1: But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Chris Robin- the first Chris Robinson Brotherhood album, Big Moon Ritual, which I'm a big fan of. I think it's their best work, and this was a, this was a fun one to go back and listen to that album all the way through. I haven't done that in a while, and... We broke it down song by song. We'll circle back to the CRB again in the future.
2: Oh, absolutely. And uh, just before we switch over to that, it is worth noting that Mark Ford now has a new live record ready to come out.
1: Yeah, saw that. Um, I'm excited to hear that. Uh, Always excited for him to put out music. And the live setting, I think, is the best for him.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm surprised he actually, you know, in retrospect, never did put out anything live because he's just such a great live player. And a lot of his playing is based on feel and spontaneity, you know, so.
1: Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, And we'll be talking about that in a future episode. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Here's Liam and his dad, David, as we talk about Big Moon Richland. First of all, Liam, welcome back uh, to the podcast. I think this is going to be your uh, your third trip with us.
3: Yeah, it is. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Really good to be on. Um, I'm looking forward to this subject, which I'm sure could divide some opinions maybe between fan base. So yeah, should be a good episode.
1: Well, before we get into the CRB, um, how's the uh, Open Your Ears podcast going?
3: Yeah, it's going all right, thank you. So you guys have been on, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah, I'm I'm interested how you've become Alterbridge fans. But yeah, it's been going well, thank you. Um I've recorded all the Alterbridge studio albums now and I'm going to sort of start moving on to side projects soon. So yeah.
1: I don't know, do you guys have Spotify in England? I don't know if that's strictly Yes. All right. So yes. you know, at the end of every year they send you your uh, your stats like how many mi- minutes of music you listen to, your top bands, your top songs. Mine, oddly enough, my number one band was The Cure. I was in their top 0.05% of of listening. But my top two songs that I listened to the most this year were Before Tomorrow Comes and Ghost of Days Gone By. Love it. Thought you'd appreciate that. Yes,
3: I did indeed. I saw on both your Facebooks you put the
1: top five of the year,
3: and I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I'm pleased. Pleased to see. Yeah, Ian's Ian's was a
1: little bit different than mine. Slightly. Yeah, it was...
3: it, I think what I saw yours in it looked what I expected of bang
1: <laughs> All <laughs> right, saying unpredictable. Yeah, he's. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm saying you're
3: a man of good taste. That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we have a uh, another special guest this week. Uh, Liam's father, David Whiting, has joined us as well. Welcome, David.
4: Yeah, hi. you you're all. you're okay. Yeah,
1: yes, absolutely. Thank well, you for joining us.
4: Yeah, thank you for uh,
1: really, thank you for joining us.
4: Really pleased to. Yeah, Liam said that. Um, you were going to be talking about CRB. And I said, oh, I wouldn't mind joining in on that. And uh, yeah, so here I am.
1: <laughs> well, we, uh, we always need all the help we can get. So <laughs> so four, four is definitely better than one. Well, um, before we you know get into this album, you were telling us off air a pretty cool story about the Black Crows and how it relates to Liam. Why don't you repeat that so that everybody can hear it? How you became a fan of the Black Crows and then subsequently how Liam became one.
4: Yeah, so I was just really bored one day and I was in the town and I thought i will buy, buy a CD. And I went into a record shop and um, just liked the look of a uh, Southern Harmony uh, CD and I thought I might like this and took it home and I was absolutely hooked. And I'm just playing it at home, I think it really grabbed Liam as well. Yeah, and then we were fans from then on, really
3: we have yeah sadly when we got into them it's when they weren't together so we sort of missed the first time they were around so i think the first time we saw them was mid 2000s wasn't it when they just came back again so yeah we sort of saw the end of the run before they've come back for the third time
4: but i guess the thing i'm really grateful for is getting into the crows has led to so much other new music for me and uh and I think up to that point, I was a little bit stuck in the sort of music I was brought up with. And it's just introduced me to a whole new world of music, you know, spreading right out to Luther Dickinson, North Mississippi All-Stars and the side projects from The Crows. You know, just been wonderful, absolutely wonderful.
1: Well, uh, if you ever make it over to the States, I can I can take you to Luther's stomping grounds. They're not far from me. I actually saw... Them play they they they're basically from where I went to college and uh, he and Cody had a band called I think it was called DDT and Gut Bucket two different bands well before the All Star started you see them they would they would play around town it's interesting I I, I feel like England has always embraced the blues more than the states have and, and I grew up in the Mississippi Delta like I I sent Ian a picture I went to see my parents a couple of weeks ago and I'd never even been by here but it was um, a graveyard five miles from my parents' house, where Sonny Boy Williamson's buried. I drive past Robert Johnson's grave every time I, you know, go to see my parents. But yet, like, I grew up around all that, and never thought it was all that special. What, what do you think it is about that music? I mean, going back into the fifties, it's always been so beloved by, by the British. Why? Why do you think that is?
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, when I was a teenager, you know, which was in the hippie sort of era in this country we were really into the blues stuff which was coming out of the states and uh it was translated into sort of what we called underground music at the time which was sort of you know fairly heavy uh guitar music which sort of clapton and those sort of people came out of but luther's and luther is an absolute hero of mine i just love the way he plays and more or less straight into the amp you know with with nothing yeah no bells (laughs) no bells and whistles No, same as Derek Trucks
2: yeah yeah no pick either actually no pick for either of those guys uh Derek Trucks you know they both are finger pickers which I think is uh, amazing The, the sound they get not using a pick
1: well let's let's talk a little bit before the CRB started there was the New Earth Mud Liam were you a New Earth Mud fan? I have to say, at the time, I hadn't heard of them. I think it's because I got into the band later
3: on, and I've listened to them since, um, so I'm maybe not the best person to ask. <laughs> I think it was just a timing thing for me.
1: I-, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first album. I think it had some good songs like Sunday Sound and Safe in the Arms of Love, but that second New Earth Mud album, I loved. Ian, I know you liked it as well, right? Yeah, I was
2: I was very big. When they split the first time, what was that, Two thousand. One. One, early 2002, whatever it was. I kind of followed Chris for a while there. Uh, you know, I tried to follow both, but I kind of gravitated more to Chris, and that was the New Earth Mud. I saw them live in New York City, and, you know, I um, I was really big on the New Earth Mud. I was a champion of them.
4: David, what about you? Yeah, no, that's it's all new stuff to me, because I came to, you know, that all that stuff quite late, which was, you know, following the Crows split up. Um, and then to CRB and Magpie
1: So in 2010, when the when we thought the crows were going to go away for good, that the you know the say goodbye to the bad guys tour, and they wrapped it up with five or six nights in San Francisco at the Fillmore. Before that even happened, we got an announcement that Chris was forming the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and you know he's admitted now that was really a pot shot at Rich. You know I think he admitted that on the Howard Stern interview that that was to mess with Rich, but. Originally, they were just going to be. I think the interview I read, Chris said they were just going to be a California band, a little local band that played. And quickly, I I guess they they realized they wanted to go on because they booked like a 118 date tour across America. And I was really interested to hear what it's going to sound like because I love that New Earth Mud record, and I thought it was. I'm like, maybe this is like New Earth Mud Part Two. But you had uh, Mark Muddy Dutton on bass. You had George Slepik on drums. You had Neil Casal on guitar and Adam McDougal on keyboards. And I remember when I I, I ordered the album, and I don't think I even heard a song before I ordered it, but when I first got it, I immediately said, well, this isn't going to be New Earth Mud. David, what were your first impressions when Big Moon Ritual came out?
4: I wasn't too sure, I must admit. (laughs) The first time I heard it, I thought, is this a bit cheesy <laughs> is this synth stuff a bit you know wasn't sure but it grew it really grew on me it grew on me so much um yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's got to be one of my favorite albums of all time now i think yeah but i wasn't sure at first I and mean, it was really um I, I think it was really the keys you know I mean, you had Steve Gorman on, didn't you, a while ago?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And he had a bit to say about Adam's change from Hammond-style keys into Moog. Yeah. You know, cheesy Moog synth stuff. And he, he's not a fan of that, is he?
2: <laughs> no, he I believe he referred to it as his space shit. As well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you bring that up, Dave, because... Um, That's exactly the the reason why I couldn't ever fully really get into the CRB is that it's that it not only is that that Moog, which it kind of to me, the CRB kind of mirrors the sound of the Grateful Dead around like 7980, which was a period of the Grateful Dead. I didn't like too much, but it also puts that Moog like really up front in the in the mix. So it's like really all you hear a lot of the times and it just doesn't it never really did it for me either I totally understand what you mean by saying that.
4: Yeah, and, and it's interesting how CLB albums progress because the last album, very much keyboard-based album, the keyboards are much more to the front, um, and I wondered if that was Adam knowing things were coming to an end <laughs> 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 really wanting to have a go, you know? <laughs> I don't know.
1: That, that last album they did, that's my second favorite album of theirs, Big Wing Ritual being number one. They really kind of went into a, a new direction on that last one. It was more upbeat, a little happier. I, I really like the direction they were going. All right, Liam, what were your what were your first impressions when you heard Big Moon Ritual? I hated it to start
3: with. <laughs> it's the same, and I just I was the same. I thought it was cheesy. I just I thought Chris Robinson was just doing his best Grateful Dead impression, sort of <laughs> like. But more I've listened to it, more I've appreciated it, and more. I prefer his style of music of doing that. Um, Like me and my dad have said before, um, which I don't think is going to be a popular opinion, we'd rather CRB carried on. Obviously, for obvious reasons, they can't anymore. But yeah, I'd rather that he did something different and unique than playing She Talks to Angels 100 times a year. Do you know that sort of thing? I mean, I
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, so what we're going to do, everybody, you. Familiar with our podcast, we're going to go song by song on it. And so the first song that we're going to start with is the opening song, Tulsa Yesterday. This was a song written by Chris Robinson and Neil Casal. It has this like really kind of long, drawn-out, slow opening that I think would have been better if they just used that as a live performance. That sounds like something you could do just to add to the beginning of the song. It kind of rambles on a little bit too long for me at the beginning, but my first impression was when I heard it, You know, this isn't going to be the New Earth Mud, and it's evident early on that Chris's vocal performance is going to be different from the Crows, which I think is a good thing with this material, I really love kind of like the loose swing to the song. And I think Adam does a great job of adding a nice background to the song. And I love kind of like the frantic outro. All in all, I think it's a, I think it's a really good song. So, uh, David, we're going to start off with you. What are your thoughts on Tulsi yesterday?
4: Yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. It's a really beautiful song. It's, um, the lyrics are great. The actual melody itself is fabulous. And I love Neil's really twanging twangy guitar is just so sort of west coast absolutely beautiful uh, i love it and and tulsa yesterday uh, i printed out a list of songs that crb number of times crb played songs and it's interesting that in the top 10 four of them are from this album and tulsa yesterday was number three So they played it a lot, an awful lot.
1: And it really sounds like a song that's captured live in the studio. All right, Liam, what are your thoughts on it? I love this song.
3: I think this is a really good way to start the album. I think Chris has really set the tone early with having sort of a psychedelic style song. And I think it works really well. And as you've said, I I think this is one of his best songs that he's done. One thing I would like to say about the album, to me, I feel like with... This album, Chris has done it in his style where it's meant so it's sort of you could listen to this as if it was one song. You could just have it on repeat and you wouldn't sort of notice it. Like, does that make sense? Rather than yes. sort, of, sort of a modern pop album, which would just be you could tell they're all completely different. Right.
1: And I think that's very his style. Lions was a lot like that. All right, Ian, what are your thoughts on it?
2: My my main problem with this album is the, the length of all the songs. Every song is long. But in this case, to me, because it's the it's the album opener, it's kind of an epic song, and it kind of it, the length is is appropriate to me on this. And it really, I never saw the CRB live, but I would imagine in concert, this was probably. I'm not surprised that they uh, played it so many times because I'm sure this is probably a, a thrilling part of the set because there's really a lot of great guitar work going on, and I actually really like this song.
4: I think it's worth saying at this point, CRB. Are really an incredible live they're a live band they're, they really are a live band to see them play these songs live just so much better than listening to to the recordings and they and they always did the two set thing in the evening so they did did set one then a break and set two you know just wonderful
1: very i mean very much like the Grateful Dead, the studio does not do the live show justice.
2: I would totally agree with that, David. But the difference I see is that on record, the Grateful Dead used to keep their songs much shorter at, at leaving the live forum to stretch them out a bit. Whereas with the CRB, it almost seems like they're already kind of stretched out. I'm sure they took them even further. But, you know, like I said, the recorded versions, are, they're, they're quite long. And it also, There's only seven tracks on this album,
1: <laughs> right? Well, they recorded this and and the, this ma- the magic door all together at the same time and just you know split it in two. But I think it contains one of my favorite Chris Robinson lyrics. You can tell by my boots that I'm a beginner. I yes. love that. I love that line. And w- one of the things I like about this album versus some of the later albums, especially kind of like what is it, Phosphorescent Harvest? Or yeah, yes. The lyrics to me got a little out there. on on that yeah i i just i just really love some of his lyrics on this and that's one of all my all-time favorites and then moving on to speaking of all-time favorites (laughs) rosalie favorite crb song liam let's start this one off with you what are your thoughts on it i'm with you great song i really like this song
3: a lot um i like how chris is like he sort of kept a bit of a different style but it's blended as well if that makes sense so it's not just the whole album sounds exactly the same but yeah i like what my dad was saying about being live i remember this song being great live there with the line of air getting thinner we're getting high that was so good live absolutely
1: brilliant ian what are your thoughts
2: Oh, I can see how this episode is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you are
1: going to get the white flag now. Oh, God.
2: It's, it's going to be three against one here. No, I uh, I like this song. For me, this song kind of ends at about the four-minute mark, and then it goes into almost like a jam, and then it comes back into that part you were just referencing, the, the air's getting thinner, are we getting high? I really feel like if you cinched out that jam and kind of edited it shorter, I think it would be, I think I would enjoy the song more because I just, I don't really, that that jam part to me seems very detached from, it's almost like a different song, but I really love what's going on otherwise in the song. I mean, it's great, great guitar on this, absolutely. And Neil Casale's really, really great on this.
4: Yeah, yeah. And it's a real showcase for Neil Casale's single string uh, slide playing uh, in standard tuning. He's just a master at that so impressed with that and that and that's what makes a song that soaring soaring slide uh guitar over it yeah yeah love love the song and that was number one the top song they played number of times i played it
2: oh is that right that's that's interesting i could see it really opening up uh live yeah and i i i agree with you neil casale is very good you know, throughout any of their records, really, but particularly on this one, a lot, adding a lot of real cool colorations with guitar. It's almost about it's more important what he doesn't play that adds to the to the song than what he does play. You know, what he he's very he selects his his additions very nicely.
1: And that organ keyboard intro, it's my favorite thing that I've ever heard Adam do. And I have in my notes that um, it kind of has like a dead '77 sound to it. I do love the, you know the air's getting thinner and we getting high. I always thought that would be cool for him to somehow uh, incorporate that into the sunrise portion of My Morning Song Live. I, mm-hmm. feel, like, I feel like that would fit right okay. in. And I love that, you know, how it kind of builds to a crescendo at the end. Just, I just love, there's nothing negative to say about that song, which leads us, in my opinion, to another song that there's nothing negative to say about Star or Stone. Mm-hmm.
2: I think you're trying to bait me david because you go it's nothing negative to say about it ian why did you tell us what you think first but uh, <laughs> uh actually this is my favorite song on this record i really think uh, musically to me it, it has uh, a, a kind of a dead vibe not to say that a lot of their stuff isn't dead influenced but again great stuff from neil casal on this but most importantly to me on this the harmonies between chris and neil are wonderful they're just so fitting to this song and i've always been a uh a sucker for a slower song anyway but uh, again uh, it'll be a constant theme for me but the, uh, the the Moog playing kind of detracts a little bit from the song for me but otherwise the song is perfect I think is the best thing on the whole album
1: David what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah this is, this is one of my favourite songs of, of theirs uh, it's one that I play I, I play solo and I play with friends as well I love it so much and there, there are a couple of things about it that I really like. Neil's solo in the middle of it is superb, absolutely superb. You know, Neil's not a fast player and the notes he leaves out do as much as the notes he plays. It is, it is a masterpiece. It's absolutely brilliant. And there's also in this song, there's also something they often do in their songs, which is they have a, a lovely vocal harmony part in the middle where the the band backs right off and you just have this short little section of vocal harmony in the middle of the song and, and this one has, has one of those and that just gives me goosebumps and when they do it live it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic
3: Liam? I'm going to surprise you, I like this song but if I'm nitpicking the album it's not my favourite I think it's a really good song but I'm trying to be critical and not just say it's all good. It's all brilliant. So yeah, it's personally not my favorite song.
1: I think it's Neil's best guitar solo in the CRB. Yeah.
3: I'm not saying it's a bad song by any stretch. I just want to say, sorry, but I'm just (laughs) saying, I don't think it's the best one personally.
1: And this is another example of like with Chris, not having to sing over Rich's guitars, and steve gorman's drums it's a different type of emotion versus what you would get from a crow song i like adam's touches on this i think it does i think he's very restrained at times compared to other times with the crb that solo is just so good i mean i think it's i think it's great and this is one they play they play a lot and i mean they stretch it out live so they obviously enjoy it too and that leads us to tomorrow blues (laughs)
3: I like this song. I think this is another sort of psychedelic inf- influence in the song. Um, the keyboard intro, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. And I really like the catchy chorus. Um, but yeah, I, I like this song. I think it's a bit of a sleeper, maybe, this song on the album, but I enjoy it. Yeah,
4: the, yeah, the first two few times I heard it, I thought, eh, this, is, this is just a standard 12-bar, you know, sort of arrangement. And it starts off like that. <laughs> and then like all their songs, it, they, they sort of put two or three genres of, of song in the one song, you know? So it starts off and it misleads you because you think it's going to be a, like a 12-bar. And of course it's not. It's nothing like, um, really like it. Yeah, love it.
3: I think that's what they're good at, is having a song and then having a different way or like putting two songs together. I think that's what they're really good at or were good at as a band. I
2: really like the lyrics on this tune. And I think it's uh, it is more of a straightforward sounding tune to start with, uh, as Dave said, but, uh, I just, I, I, I like it, but I, I, and the chorus is particularly very catchy on this one. Very good. You know, Chris has a knack for that. And when he, when he hits a catchy chorus, he really hits it, you know, but, uh, I, I again, and I, I'm going to preface this by saying maybe it is just me. I'm very willing to accept that, but I just don't get that that moog sound. The I feel it's so overused and it takes me away from so many of these songs. I'm willing to, like I said, I'm willing to accept it might just be me and I'm not I'm missing something, but that's my only complaint.
1: This is a song I don't hate it. I don't really love it. To me, our first real dose of uh, outer space, Adam showing up, and I agree with you, Ian. It's a little overused. This just really i mean it's i really don't have any strong feelings either way it's a sound that you would hear later on 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 later albums uh a little that would become a little more prominent just not it's just nothing great i mean i kind of i kind of get the sense that's kind of what everybody thinks it's just kind of meh
3: yeah it's not (laughs) the worst song it's not the best song yeah
1: yeah all right so the next song is reflection on a broken mirror standout track for me and i believe ian correct me if i'm wrong this is a holdout from the new earth mud days isn't it
2: yeah this was performed on the first new earth mud tour in 2002 uh they actually had a um much like they did with the magpie salute they had like a bootleg cd they would hand out at at shows and it was on that and i I think it's one of their strongest songs
1: i I do too and the crb does a great job on some of these kind of like a little bit slower mid-tempo numbers of painting like a tapestry like Neil's guitar playing. It kind of almost seems like it's just circling and like surround sound uh, when you listen to it and the way Adam kind of chimes in and, and and Chris's guitar playing uh, they just do a really good job of just really kind of stacking sound in different areas. I think it's some of Robinson's best lyrics that he's written for not for a nine crows album. And I definitely think it's a top five vocal for him, a really good song a really sad song. But uh, it, it it moves me a lot. And, I mean, we're five songs in, and, and four of the five, I think, are just well above average tunes. David, what are your thoughts on it?
4: Uh, Liam and I were, were going to see the band in London one evening, and we were in the car driving to the gig. And I said to Liam, I said, Liam, what would, um, what would younger people say about this sort of music that we're going to hear? So he said... Uh, well, I don't, I don't know, really. And I said, well, how would they describe it? And he said, hippie shit, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we are. This is the hippie shit, I think. And I absolutely love it. Uh, it, it. It is fantastic. I think one of the things that's really nice about this is that Chris gets a chance to play. And over this period where CRB were gigging so much, Chris's guitar playing has just come on so much, you know. He always says that he's just a rhythm backing player, you know, but he's he does more and more as these albums go on. And I think the Reflections on the Broken Room is such a lovely song, beautiful song.
3: This song, so much to you with Alterbridge listening to one of the songs, this has been, since re listening to this album, I've had this song on repeat all week. This is one of my favorites of the album it's definitely hippie shit isn't it, <laughs> it <really> is. <laughs> but yeah what you were saying about the album um this is definitely one of his most strongest written albums and i think this track just proves it and he's done such a good job um yeah really like this song a lot um i really like the instruments instrumental in the middle um that's probably my favorite part but I think you can sort of listen to this song and you can listen to the lyrics or you could sort of listen back and just listen and jam to the music. It's just got everything in it, I think, for a Chris Robinson song. And what my dad said about the playing from seeing him, he's improved so much. And you can tell he's
1: more confident playing now, probably from this whole project. And when, you, and when you're watching play, he's just not out there strumming chords. I mean, it's, yeah. it's more intricate than that. And I think I heard him say the first song he ever wrote on guitar, I think, was Tornado. Uh, which I thought was, was interesting, because I wasn't aware that he played during the 90s, but apparently he did. I guess he just never did it on stage.
2: Well, he wrote the riff to high-head blues, too.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, Ian, what are your thoughts on it? I I, I was always a bit When
2: I used to go see The New Earth Mud, this would be I, one of those. I hope they play this song, because I really loved it back then. Uh, lyrically, to me, Chris has some really cool... Lines in this, like a uh, surrealist movement in the key of G, and my, my baby loves me like an auto harp, and all that stuff. I, I think that's really cool. That being said, I mean, I don't have to say this again Moog, not a fan, <laughs> it's really killing it for me. I do want to say that this is coming from a guy who likes early, yes, you know what I mean? And that's a Moog, and that I just, it's just something about the way it's laid onto a lot of these songs, but may, that also could be because, um, you know, I knew this song. In its early, early versions. Um, and, you know, grew to, grew to get used to the way it sounded that, like that. So it, it is a change. But a great song. Easily uh, takes a second place slot for me right behind Star of Stone.
1: Oh, cool. All right, David, the next song is Beware, Oh Take Care.
0: I guess it takes a thief to know one.
4: wonderful song wonderful song it's one i love to play again in the center section it's got that harmonic vocal part where the band drops away and they it's almost a cappella. in fact they do it a cappella sometimes on stage and yeah, the band drops off completely it's just such a beautiful song yeah i love that neil's playing on this one is superb as well
2: ian this song uh, it took me a little bit to get into it, but listening to it, you know, repeatedly more recently, I just love the way this song breathes. There's so much open space in this song, and the the almost the the reverb or the echo type effect on, that's on the on the guitars lets them ring out a lot more. It's really just open, and, it, and I think that was it's almost like atmospheric. The song and uh, Chris really sounds great on this song, and and the interplay between him and Neil is fantastic. I I, I think this is a, a one of the stronger songs on this album
1: well liam what do you think
3: so for me this song to start with it took me a few listens to to sort of really get used to it but yeah i think this is a great song i really like the riffs in this song as well um i feel like we've said the same thing about most songs apart from ian really
1: (laughs) (laughs) well what are you trying to say (laughs) um it's my least favorite song on the album and i didn't expect that yeah, by far, oh, wow. and to me, it just to me it seems kind of indulgent. It just doesn't really go anywhere. I do like the solo that Neil plays on the outro. I think that's really good. It's worth noting this is a song that Chris and Neil both wrote, uh, which is one I think of three on here. But yeah, it's interesting that y'all all like it so much. It's one I always like. Matter of fact, we were getting ready for this. I had to force myself to listen to it because I always <laughs> skip it.
2: You see, you see how the tides can turn on these episodes. All of a sudden, now we're all against you. Is it?
1: I know <laughs> no, no, how it feels, doesn't <laughs> it? Ian Ian was texting me yesterday. He was kind of nervous about doing this one because he was going to be kind of negative on some of it. He didn't want to be negative. I said, "Come on, man, you're a Black Crows fan. You got to be." <laughs> it's it's built it's built it's built into us, you know. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna close this album out like. Ian said, as far as number of songs, it's very short. Number seven could almost qualify as an EP, but the length of it, obviously, these songs are a lot longer. Liam, we're going to let you handle the the closeout song, uh, 100 Days of Rain.
0: as you sing the song.
3: to end the album i really like the intro i think everything's perfect the lyrics the playing yeah i think this is a great way to end the album for me yeah back to you <laughs> david what do you think
4: <laughs> well this is this was almost our um our like theme tune of the year in lockdown yeah. 100 days of rain in front of me i've, I've been through all this before you know it, it's uh the, i think lyrics are fantastic one of chris's best i think and I think, and the way they play together in this is really really lovely you can hear there's some connection musically between the band you know um, there's uh, there's there's as you said earlier there there's a lot of space in, in it you know yeah I love it beautiful song
2: yeah I think this is a nice closer for the album you know as as I've thought about some of the other songs you know just probably could have tightened it up a little bit and save some of those extended things for the live setting. But uh, uh, it really this is a really good showcase for Neil Casal how tasteful his playing is, and I really like it on this. And it's a nice way to, to end the album.
1: To me, this sounds like this could have been on the second New Earth Mud album. Mm. If you would have told me this yeah. is on the second, I mean, both lyrically and sonically, it it, it sounds mm. like the second New Earth Mud album, which is, is a huge compliment. Um, of note, Neil's backing vocals on the chorus just... He just kills it. He's just such he's just such a weapon in a band. I was a huge fan of when he was in Ryan Adams and the Cardinals and saw them live one time, and he added so much to that music. And his playing for Ryan Adams really wasn't a lot different than his playing for the Brotherhood. It was just kind of like painting this tapestry, and everybody else had their chance to weave in and out of it, but he was already there. Chris's voice, to me, sounds so good in the range that he's singing this. And... Where we talked earlier about some of the other songs were really slow. It allowed him to convey emotion and kind of a tenderness and vulnerability. This is one where he gets to do that with a little more of an up tempo song, and I think it's a great way to close the album out. And speaking of his guitar playing, uh, Neil's guitar playing on this, to me, it's got a lot of Jerry Garcia in this song. Yeah, so that's going to close out the album. So let's go. Let's go around and say uh, let everybody give their rating. Let's see, it's a five would be perfect. One would be Terrible Dave, what's your rating?
4: Uh, yeah, four point something
1: <laughs> Liam, four and a half Ian I'm going to surprise you David, and
2: uh, I actually uh, I would give this a four
1: 'm wow. yeah I'm going to give it a four as well um, and I
2: say that because it's it this is whether or not i I like every aspect of it, this is very representative of the band, and a lot of studio albums don't capture what a band is about. And even though they they probably are, you know, a thousand times better live, this still does a good job of kind of giving you an idea of what they're all about. If you go see them live, you're going to get something similar to this. And, and, and in a lot of cases, that's not true.
1: Well, and like, like um, David was saying pretty much all of these songs, well, beware. Oh, take care. I don't think got played a ton, but the rest of them were in, in pretty much in regular rotation. Wouldn't you guys agree?
3: Yeah. One yep. thing I would say, Listen, I was going through old reviews, and I was going through all the sort of the British media newspapers, and you could tell which ones were fans and which ones weren't. So, one of the main newspapers, The Guardian, gave this four stars, and there was another newspaper I can't remember gave it three out of five. And it's you thought clearly you're not a fan of this
1: genre of music; it's not <laughs> your thing.
3: Well, I think so if I thought you're, it was quite interesting here, and really like going back on the reviews. Well, so I think
1: seems, if if you're a diehard Black Crows fan, this could be a little. Sp- tough to digest at first yeah i agree with that i mean if you you know if you're used to the the black crows when you hear this you're like and i'll be honest with you i'm i'm a big proponent of supporting all the members of the crows and their side projects so i would buy all of these albums on vinyl as they came out even if i didn't listen to them and i guess it was about three or four years ago but something just clicked with me to go back and start listening to this music and I actually really enjoy the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Now, I would say I enjoy more of their songs more than the ones I don't. Um, like this album and the next one, I think are hard, hard to beat. Servants of the Sun is great. The other ones, I have to pick and choose a little bit. But and you've got, I go and to download their um, their live shows, and I do it in the high def audio format. And you put that on with headphones, man. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the ear candy in there is, is up there with some of the Pink Floyd albums. I mean, it's just, especially that high def audio, and Neil's playing is just so good. And then the other guys, you know, George Slupik left after a while, uh, Muddy left after a while, but you had uh, Tony Leon come in, you had Jeff Hill come in. All of those guys are, you know, more than capable and sound good, but the, actually the only two times I ever saw the CRB was when Neil was kind of on a sabbatical. And uh, Greg from the Mother Hills uh, set in uh, on both of those. Uh, I sad I never got to see Neil play with the CRB. I, like I said, I did get to see him play with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Were you guys familiar with him at all before this, or was he kind of new to you?
4: No, he 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 was new to me. But then when I started reading about his career, I just realized uh, you know what a special guy he was. You know amazing so it was CRB that got me into into Neil Cusall.
3: so I knew of him because of Ryan Adams mm-hmm. yeah. so I knew of him but I didn't necessarily know much about him but I just knew he played with him so I thought he's got to be good if he played with Ryan Adams to then play with Chris Robinson he can't be bad and he
1: first came on my radar I guess with the Beachwood Sparks they opened for the Crows in oh one the first time I actually saw the Crows I Ian I would think that was probably your first exposure to him as well
2: yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, I liked Beachwood Sparks and it didn't actually when the CRB came around, I I didn't put it together that it was the same guitar player for a little bit. So but uh yeah, I always thought he was he was great in both things and with Ryan Adams as well.
1: And depending on who you talk to, he had the job in 05 before yeah. they gave it to to Ford and what was the rumor that he told somebody he had it and and that upset him or something like that? Is that right, Ian?
2: Yeah, something something along those lines. I I can't remember the exact story, but he kind of, uh, almost kind of ruined it for himself. It sounded like you know.
1: I often wonder what he would sound like in the Crows. I I I, I don't so, know if it would have worked. I, I, yeah, based on like everything that I've heard him do, I feel like the fan base would probably have crucified him. Um, <laughs> Not the Black Crows fan base. You surely <laughs> they'd I must never do that. Well, no, just, never. just because his style of playing <laughs> is so different from. Or Mark I Ford agree. or an oddly free. Yeah,
3: it doesn't. It's not the same, is it? Or Luther. Yeah. I it's mean completely I agree.
4: Upset. If they don't like Luther, they're definitely not gonna like Neil.
1: But um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Chris does when the Crows gig is over or in between Crows things. I I've always said that I think he should put out some type of like funk album or soul album. I mean <laughs> he's got it he's got it in him. And it it's like uh I think it was Charity or Mona was telling us when we interviewed her that he's got this reggae voice he can go into. (laughs) You know, and I mean, he did that Bob Marley tribute thing where he sang like kinky reggae with some of Marley's children. I just, I wish he would kind of do that, do like a a funk soul reggae type album because I think he's, you know, the first New Earth Mud album was kind of a singer-songwriter. The second one was more of like a band project and then the CRB was more... I don't know, experimental and spacing and and jam band like. I don't know. I and it also be interesting to see if he ever got the band back together and just and still called it that, but obviously Neil couldn't play and you know, got the players back. But
2: Be careful what you wish for, David, because you could end up with an album full of go tell the congregation and we all know how much you like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was his (laughs) favorite. Yeah, yeah. So David, what's your what's your favorite Crows album?
4: Amorica. Amorica? Maybe Southern
1: Harmony, not not sure. Liam, what about you?
3: Same, probably America or Southern Harmony. I'd probably say America just, but it's yeah. hard. It's like saying, "What's your favourite Van Gogh picture?"
4: Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they're all masterpieces, or maybe not lines in some of you. But, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
2: I always likened it to uh, like if you had kids, it was like picking your favorite kid or something like that. You know, yeah. like it's very hard.
3: I would, you know, to
2: to decide which one you like the best because they all have qualities you really like.
3: What are you were saying about doing something else because I remember he did as the crow flies with Marcus King. I could maybe see him doing something with him again. I don't know if they'd do what they'd play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to that at some point. I don't know. That's my Sand meet sign me oh. up for that. Yeah, I would have to say that that'd be great. Yeah, even if it was just them two playing, maybe maybe get someone else involved. They could put out blues album.
2: I do have a question for everybody before we uh, we end everything, I, because this was recorded at the same time as the Magic Door, and the Magic Door is a similar setup as this album, where it's like only about seven or eight songs, and I have some of the same troubles with that album as I do with this one. Do you think, like much like um, the Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusions albums and a lot of other double albums do you think it would be better suited to like picking the cream of the crop out of the two and making one really solid record or do you think they stand perfectly fine on their own
4: if they were still playing if they were still gigging then i might uh say yeah put them in one but because they're not because they're finished i'm so pleased i've got all the material right uh, yeah yeah i'm really pleased about that
3: I'd rather they kept the material than do a Prince and just record a hundred albums and never release them. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather they were separate, but what they've done. But yeah, I'd please they release them, just not do a Prince.
1: Yeah, I like them both so much. I would just rather keep them separate versus meld them together. Well, first of all, thank you guys for coming on, Liam. It's always a a, a pleasure to chat with you and your dad. Um, you. We you see where you get it from with your father. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so as you know normally we let our guests pick our play out song and since david since you're our first timer here what's a uh what's a crb song we can play out with
4: any crb song
1: any crb song anyone it's like going back to your favorite children
3: this isn't it it's is a bit <laughs>
4: isn't it so i think i think because it probably represents the culmination of their whole journey together I think I'd choose uh, Smiling Epitaph, which is the last song on the last album. And it's the one that they played at Neil's, uh, Neil's celebration evening.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks to uh, Dave and Liam for coming on and to play us out off Servants of the Sun, A Smiling Epitaph. Stay tall, everybody. <laughs>